0: Welcome to the ECE Learning Unlimited podcast, the place for early childhood professionals where we talk about everything you need to know for quality early years education. Join us at www.ecelearningunlimited.com, Facebook, YouTube and Pinterest. And now, here's your host, Angela Bush. Kia ora ECE Whānau. Angela here from ECE Learning Unlimited. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? But how can we create a thriving and highly motivated team? You know one of the most frequently lamented issues I hear from ECE leaders and managers is how on earth to get their team on the same page and performing like superstars. So how do we create teams who are committed to being their best because we naturally have a vision of providing an early childhood service that is consistently fully occupied and with a strong reputation for high quality education and care in our community. And we all want to know that our early childhood services are doing a great job for children and families. Ultimately, the quality of teaching and how our team performs and works together leads to quality outcomes for children. But this can only ever be achieved when we have a team of teachers who are committed to being their best, who are consistently motivated and who are actually really good at their job, bottom line. Teachers are our most important asset. We naturally want to have a teaching team who are collaborative, supportive, cooperative, and who actually enjoy working with each other, but also who ultimately feel a deep sense of satisfaction in their work, right? Because that makes a difference to how people feel and how they perform in their job. But yet, how many times do we ask ourselves, why do teachers not just see what needs to be done here? Why is the learning environment constantly a mess and disorganized and not the picture of beauty that we envision it should be? How does nothing ever get achieved here and how can I motivate my team to be better? Great questions and is there a magic recipe? Is there a secret we can all discover and sprinkle over our teaching teams? Uh, I'm sorry but sadly no. However, There are most certainly things we can do to inspire, empower, motivate and support our teachers to thrive and shine. There are most certainly things we can do to inspire, empower and motivate and to support our teachers to thrive and to shine. But to achieve this, we must first start by holding the mirror up to ourselves and taking a long moment to reflect on our own leadership. That's right. We need to start with ourselves. We can ask ourselves things like, how effective am I as a leader? How do I contribute to creating a positive team culture in which all of my team members are supported to learn and grow and thrive? Are there any actions, words or ways that I behave that contribute to staff being unmotivated or not taking responsibility? Do I truly provide space and opportunity for others to take initiative and to take the lead? Am I clear in my communication and in creating expectations? If there's one thing I have learned and I continue to learn after 30 years in early childhood education is that leadership is everything. If you look closely at early childhood services who are amazing in their quality of their teaching and their environment, and in their team culture, then take a look at the leader. Teams who are thriving are able to do so because they have excellent leadership within the walls, in management, and also within the teaching team. Leadership that empowers others, upholds high standards for practice, creates a positive and supportive culture, and models continuous learning. And if you are the leader of your early childhood service, that starts with you, my friend. So, at the end of the day, what can you do that will make a difference to your team and your teachers? Number one, the first thing, pretty basic, but very, very true. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. As a manager or a leader in an early childhood service, you are not managing a production line where everyone has a set of tasks that must be completed in perfect order to complete a planned project. I like to use the analogy, we're not a sausage factory. In early childhood education, the outcome we are looking for is providing high quality care and education for children and families. But this has got to also be applied to our teachers. You cannot expect teachers to be respectful, empathetic, caring and responsive to children and families if you don't authentically demonstrate this to your teachers too. Early childhood leaders create the emotional climate in which teachers work every day. So you need to make sure your climate is one of respect, genuine concern and care. Your team are going to know if you're authentic or not. They will feel it. They will know it. You can't fudge it. The second important thing we need to be doing as leaders is to do our utmost, our absolute utmost whenever we can to ensure that our teachers get their regular non-contact time and be as generous as you're able to in this. I know that COVID times, crazy crazy COVID situations have been making this incredibly difficult. I know that it is also very difficult to get relief teachers and cover and there are staff shortages, but this is really, really important to manage as best we can. Because having regular non-contact time to meet documentation and planning expectations matters enormously to the teacher's sense of competence and achievement. If teachers are constantly missing out on non-contact time and they're not able to achieve their documentation during work hours, this is eventually going to lead to poor practice and a sense of dissatisfaction. Most teachers that I've come across in 30 years really genuinely want to be the best teacher they possibly can. But in order for them to achieve what it is that they need to do, in order for them to practice successfully as teachers, they've got to be given time to think, to plan, to be organized and be responsible for all of those additional tasks that they are needing to do. But they've got to be given time to do that. Alrighty, number three, let's get create clear expectations and communicate these clearly and regularly. If teachers don't know what is expected of them, then how on earth can we be expected to to ask them to then reach those expectations? And I hear you say, but surely it's common sense. Um, Perhaps it is to you, but it is most likely not to everybody else. Your idea of common sense is not necessarily the same as someone else's. We all know that. But when we create shared, documented understanding of this is how we do things here, this is why, and this is the standard we are looking for, then it is not unreasonable to expect that staff will mostly meet these. So we need to be working with our teams to discuss and create shared understanding and then written, agreed expectations, usually in the form of a quality practice template or a job description, and we can provide these to new staff as part of their induction we need to be discussing it with them. We need to invite questions and guide them through these expectations in the first few months on your team. Induction processes should not be underestimated. And I have some really useful uh, toolboxes, webinars, blogs, and courses available at EC Learning Unlimited from our good friend Ainsley Pallaret from Fix HR on this very topic make sure when you have new staff on board that you are guiding them through the expectations of how things work here and what we expect from you in the first few months so that it becomes very clear to people very early on how they should be performing. And it's important that we review these documents annually with our teams. If you have changes in your team, um, enough changes where there has some, been some staff turnover, you will have to revisit this because not everyone then has bought into the team philosophy or have that shared understanding of expected practice. Number four, we need to be grabbing the good stuff that people are doing and acknowledging it frequently. When you catch staff doing great things and acknowledge and thank them for this, you demonstrate your appreciation, and this helps teachers to feel valued. How we make people feel in the workplace cannot be underestimated. If the balance of constructive feedback and recognition of what each person is great at becomes unbalanced, your team will be unbalanced and unhappy. So make sure you're telling people every day what it is that you see them doing really well and thanking them for it. And then alongside that closely, number five, let people know when they're doing well but also when they need to improve and do that quickly. It goes without saying that we've got to have formal systems in place for professional growth cycles and appraisal, but outside of these, it's also important that teachers are regularly given positive feedback and acknowledged for doing a great job. We all know how good it feels to have someone acknowledge us and notice us. Likewise, though, and this is one of the things that is most often overlooked by leaders and managers, is that we cannot shy away from letting teachers know when they need to shift or improve in their practice. If you notice a team member consistently acting outside of your centre's philosophy or agreed standards for practice, then it is your job to tell them honestly and respectfully. When we do this, we need to check in on their understanding too, it's quite possible that this person simply has a blind spot about an aspect of their practice that no one has ever told them about. So it's only fair that we ask them first, do you realize that this is something that you do? For example, talking really loudly or taking children by the arm rather than their hand, maybe pulling them. Um, There are loads and loads of things that people do and have no awareness that, that is something that they do if they've never ever been told that before about themselves. You've got to act really quickly on this stuff because there is nothing more corrosive to a teaching team than letting somebody else's bad behaviour or poor practice continue unchecked. There is no faster way for you to lose your team's trust in you as a leader if you do not manage poor performance swiftly. And imagine it would feel to the person acting in a way that is annoying the whole team or that is outside of what the whole team believes or values and having no idea about that. Imagine if you're that person and you don't even realize that that's how you're making other people feel. So I suggest that you always start from giving a person the benefit of the doubt before making an assumption that they do understand or they do have any idea that they're doing something less than great. And when you do find that moment that you need to be speaking with somebody about their behaviour or their performance, please be sensitive about where and when you do that. There is nothing worse for somebody than being spoken to by a leader or a manager in front of others. Let's be sensitive about that and ask to speak with them quietly in a moment that really works for both of you, away from the ears and eyes of others. And that gives consideration to their opportunity to stop and think and reflect on that. Because remember, any time that somebody is given feedback that is possibly going to be perceived as a little negative initially, they're going to feel naturally defensive and they're going to need time to process and think and respond to that. Alrighty, let's talk about number six. Please, please do not expect staff to work in their own time. It's really simple. If work cannot be achieved during work time, it simply doesn't happen. When we continuously put an expectation on our teachers to complete documentation or any other work in their home time, we create burnout and we can end up with high staff turnover. And we all know that in the early childhood sector at the moment, this is an enormous problem. As leaders in early childhood education, we need to take responsibility for upholding teachers' as professionals, and for protecting their right to be treated as such. We've got to do our best to ensure our teachers are allocated enough time to complete their administrative and documentation obligations during work hours. If you are regularly finding that this is not happening, happening, then the system is broken and we must seek a new solution or reduce the amount of documentation our teachers are required to do. And this means that as a leader, you're going to need to have an excellent understanding of what quality planning and learning and documentation looks like yourself. You need to understand what it is that you're asking yourself, to do, your teams to do, so that you're not creating a documentation burden for your team. And I realise this is challenging in the current environment where we are lacking qualified teachers If we don't protect this for our teaching teams, we're not going to have any qualified teaching staff left to operate our centres. The exodus is massive. If staff choose to do some work in their own time, be very clear that this is not an expectation. I get it. Some teachers just want to do this and they get a feeling of satisfaction from doing some work at home, which is wonderful. I personally love to make teaching resources at home and do so freely in my own time but I do not for one second expect that others will do this. One of the mistakes I often hear managers and leaders say is, well, people can choose to do what they want and that most of us do this here or we don't have morning tea breaks because we have our breaks with the children on the floor or we don't leave. Anyone can leave and go and have a morning tea break if they want to though, or they don't have to do their documentation at home, but most people choose to. If most people in your team are doing those things, then anybody else really doesn't have a choice because they're going to be the odd one out and they're not going to want to be the seem to be bucking the system. So actually, it's not quite as casual and relaxed as you think it is. You've actually created a culture there where everybody just does it. So it's important that you remember that as the leader, you create the culture, the expectations and how things work here. Okay, the next thing we really need to think about is how we are providing really good professional learning opportunities for our teachers. We will all have mechanisms in place in our early childhood services for appraisal or professional growth cycles where we collaborate with our teachers to set professional learning goals together. But if we truly support our teachers to actually achieve these goals and not actually just pay lip service to them, and if we genuinely want the best for our teachers then we will provide them with professional learning. It doesn't have to be expensive, though. It can be simply in the form of sourcing reading or webinars and short courses for them, all of which, of course, you can access through ECE Learning Unlimited Members Club. If you haven't had a look, please go take a look. Or it can be that you also arrange for teaching staff to visit other services to observe and discuss aspects of practices that you are really wanting to improve, there's lots of different ways that staff can get professional learning without spending lots of money. And, but ideally, professional learning will also be shared and discussed as a team because if teachers are learning in silos, it doesn't necessarily lead to improved outcomes in practice. But when teachers have the opportunity to learn and then discuss with others and grow practice together, we're far more likely to see improved outcomes and teachers motivating each other. Okay, number eight, check in with your teachers regularly. If you've got a teacher who you think is particularly unmotivated and they're underperforming or they're regularly being average and doing their best to fly under the radar, it's time to check in on them. It's so important that we first seek to understand so we can say to them, hey, listen, I've noticed that you are not particularly motivated lately or I've noticed that you're feeling looking a bit flat. Are you Okay. Is there anything going on that you'd like me to know about? This teacher might actually have a genuine reason for their underperformance right now. And if we check in with them, we might actually be able to work towards a solution together and offer support. So rather than approach them with a stick, we approach with empathy and understanding. But if we do ask, and there is actually not a genuine reason articulated for this, Then, by doing so, we've actually opened the door to give this person some honest feedback and to ask for improvement. They may need some support in this area of practice. They may need more mentoring, they may need professional learning, observation, and some ongoing feedback for a while. Or maybe they just need a boost or a break. Either way, when we talk with them, when we seek to understand, when we give feedback When we ask for improvement in practice, we're genuinely giving this person an opportunity to improve. But that leads us to number nine, which is move swiftly to disciplinary action when necessary. And never, ever allow bullying in your early childhood service. Most definitely check yourself. As leaders, we create the tone and culture in our teams, remember. If you are behaving in ways that are seen as unfair, unkind, or outright bullying, you are never going to have a positive team culture where staff can thrive. Likewise, if it comes to your attention that anyone in your team is engaging in bullying behaviour, then this has got to be dealt with swiftly. Zero tolerance. Nothing erodes trust in a leader more than not dealing with bad behaviour in the workplace. And ditto for underperforming staff. If you have a team member who simply does not improve, who doesn't contribute, who doesn't respond to feedback, or who consistently lets the team down, then you've got to move to disciplinary action when you have exhausted all other efforts. And sadly, some people just have to be managed out. Last but not least, let's end on a positive, empower others to learn grow, thrive, and take the lead. Not all teachers wish to pursue leadership or become a manager, but highly functioning teachers will always want to have the opportunity for growth and to be empowered to thrive as a teacher. As leaders, we empower others when we engage in genuine, collaborative decision-making and when we invite our teachers to make a contribution to centre life. When we recognise teachers' strengths and abilities that they are bringing to the team, we can invite them to utilise these every day and shine in these and take opportunities to share their talents with others. For teachers who don't want to step into leadership roles, we can provide them with mentoring and support to help them reach their goals and other goals. Although we may be afraid that teachers who are supported to develop into leadership roles might actually leave our services, If we hold people back from their ambitions or career goals, they're going to leave us anyway. By supporting and empowering our teachers to reach their potential and to feel satisfied in their work, we're supporting them as human beings, as people. And really importantly too, we're making a valued contribution to the wider early childhood sector, which is professional ethical leaders we have a responsibility to, the wider early childhood community as well. And that's it. 10 strategies that you can go away today and put into practice straight away to help your team, your teachers be performing and thriving and highly motivated. Easy peasy, right? No, not really, but trust me, these things do work and they do make a difference for our teachers every day. I wish you all the best in your leadership and with your teaching teams. Thanks for joining me. See you again next time. Ka or Fano.